0: Welcome to Breaking Geek, the Breaking Bad podcast from Geek Girl Soup. We're recording on Tuesday night, and we welcome your comments via email, geekgirlsoup at gmail.com, voicemail 503-447-6871, or in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash geekgirlsoup. I'm Susan, and I'm here with...
1: Chris,
2: Kelly, and Scott.
0: And Scott, we hear you, you had an adventure last night. You had another uh, Breaking Bad podcast that you did.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I ventured into the Creepy Scary Waters doing a live podcast, and I did it with Jack of the Jay and Jack Broadcasting Empire. <laughs> um, it was scary and fun all at once. There were a lot of technical problems, so we we got delayed by about 50 minutes, but once we got rolling, it went fine, and we got a lot of callers and people expressing their opinions, and somehow the conversation ended up becoming about Lost for a little while, but, you know. <laughs> and, well, I and,
0: think, yeah, things in the Jay and Jack world always go back to Lost.
3: Yeah, but we also got the dump on Dexter as well, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. and But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it ran about as long as the last uh, podcast we did here. Cool. <laughs> oh,
0: <So, yeah. laughs> well, great well also doing a live podcast are the watchers of anarchy they do a a live sons of anarchy podcast on saturday nights uh nattercast does a recorded sons of anarchy podcast on thursdays they they give they both give great insight on the on the show and hopefully while you something big is going to happen this week so hey we'll see i'm i'm looking forward to listening so let's dive right into tonight's show. It is episode 15, the penultimate episode, Granite State, written and directed by Peter Gould. He's the uh, the future showrunner of Better Call Saul.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Cool. Sounds like it's in good hands. It's awesome.
0: So, Chris, why don't you start us out here?
1: Well, we start out with something I fully did not Expect, and this is one of the reasons I don't watch trailers or uh, seek out any spoilers for shows because I would have bet cold hard cash that this episode was going to be a time jump, we were going to flash forward somewhere and and end up where Walt is. Mm -hmm. What I the last thing I expected was during this thing, they were going to pick up right where they left off. And that's exactly what they did. It's uh, It begins with um, someone getting... Well, almost. Yeah, right just after a couple it of days. <laughs> it, it picks up with a, a person coming out of the car. And you assume it's going to be uh, Walt. But it turns out there's somebody else who uh, took Saul's advice. Saul. <laughs> Saul's <laughs> getting the hell out of Dodge. And uh, he's uh, with our our disappearer, <laughs> the, the man who makes people go away. Um, who's Robert Forrester. And, um, he finds out that, um, there's going to be a delay in getting him, uh, out of town. So he's going to have to have a roommate for a bit, which, um, prompts all to ask, uh, you know, how's he doing? And, um, he flips on a, a, a monitor and, and says, well, why don't, why don't you take a look? <laughs> why, why don't you uh, uh, see for yourself? And um, we see that the the person they're speaking of is, is Walt, who's in his um, full rage mode. Um, <laughs> any given moment, apparently, you could have turned on that monitor and seen him just raging about the situation that he's currently in. And that's where we uh, we go to the uh, the first um, the the break. <clears throat>
2: what what y'all think about the fact that the disappear really is a um, vacuum sal- salesperson or repair person? So remember, that's what yeah. Saul said. That was the code that you call. And, and I forget, it, you know, it's episodes ago or seasons right, ago. Right. You call a request that vacuum thing. And even Saul commented on it like, it's a real shop. I had no idea. <laughs> right.
0: It's a great cover. <laughs> yeah. And also this, this part was written specifically for Robert Forster. They had him in mind when they were writing this.
2: Very awesome. cool
1: glad he was able to take the role then. Mm-hmm. Yep, he, he, he looks great. He, he basically looked like he stepped straight out of Jackie Brown and right into this, this <laughs> yeah. world. Absolutely. Um, and it's it is pretty much the same kind of role because if you remember, and those who saw Jackie Brown, um, the character he played there, Max Cherry, was very knowledgeable about how the system worked. And would work walk people through how things were going to go. And this character also seems extremely knowledgeable about how the system works and how to work around the system. Mm-hmm. So He
0: works well with Saul.
1: <laughs> without a doubt. He's he's a perfect hand in hand guy to work with Saul. And which begs the question, is Robert Forrester going to be in the new series? That would be awesome.
0: Oh yeah, it would be. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, apparently he wouldn't show up much and they would never have contact because this <laughs> he is the didn't first know time who he was. Met, right. Yeah, <laughs> Or at least that was the story. We don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, um, we come back and, um, does it go right into the, uh, conversation where, um, they're down in the basement discussing, um, yeah.
3: The, the next the next thing is uh, Marie being driven home by the
1: uh, agents from the DEA oh
3: really
2: yeah okay. only only Marie saying
1: I see yeah Marie is uh, is being taken home the the feds are te- telling her that uh, they'll find them don't worry about it and we find out that during the time that she was at the white residence that's when her house got ransacked
2: so that answers and- that question our question, your question from...
1: Last, uh, last week, hour. yeah, where yeah. I was worried about a, a meeting. They yeah. immediately take full control. <laughs> they U-turn it out of there and um, ask no questions. Um, we uh, then cut to, the, I believe, the guys who, who actually did this ransacking, the neo-Nazis, <laughs> who are uh, sitting around having a viewing party. Um, watching Jesse's confession, so we actually do get to see the tape that he made um and in that tape he actually um uh, names um Todd as w- the person who shot um uh, the child uh, who disappeared mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and one of the things I was wondering about was whether or not this was going to be. A something that Todd was trying to keep from his cohorts, mm-hmm. and whether they yeah. look down upon this, but, but and they do immediately take action. But the action is a protective action for Todd. They they immediately right. want to take Jesse out, which being is being uh, a
2: rat. I, yeah, it was, it's so interesting to me that you know how big of a deal that is to Jack and the. I was told they're Aryan Brotherhood, apparently, but I don't know. Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, that, 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 yeah. I always refer to them as the Aryan Brotherhood, so yeah, and the the whole ratting thing, obviously these are guys who probably spent a considerable amount of time in prison at one time or another. So I would imagine being a rat is probably as bad a thing as one can imagine for them. So yeah, it's no it's no wonder that they, they would want to kill
1: Jesse. Well, it's well, the it's the code of criminals yeah. that like we we established with uh, with uh, Gus previously. All right. If you remember, that was Gus's downfall was that he was so easily lured into a trap based on the fact that he felt that uh, the code had been broken, and that's the one thing you don't do. It's like oh. you, you can kill somebody, you can plot to kill somebody. That's all respectful. That's all something that's definitely well ca- within your rights as a criminal,
3: I guess. Yeah. There's there definitely a code among them, and there's, there'll be a scene later on that I, that I might bring that up. Of course, I, they're not the most honorable of thieves, considering what they did to Walt, but um, they definitely still have a code. The one thing I would want to point out that was amazing in that scene is Todd's reaction while he's watching Jesse... Spill the beans about him, mm-hmm. and he's actually. This is one of the few times we get to see Todd. He's actually smiling. He's mm-hmm. kind of be, he's kind of proud of what he did. You know, murdering the kid on the dirt bike, and that was. This is very much a Todd episode, if there
1: ever was one. I think. By the oh, way, least, yeah. oh yeah, he steps well, into the spotlight as a complete sociopath. <laughs>
2: absolutely. Well, and so I'll take back, or not take back, but um, uh, admit that. I was wrong last week when, when I said, you know, Todd doesn't scare me. He definitely now scares me. I still believe that he does have some emotions and, and they're mainly for Mr. White. Uh, you know, as we definitely see in this scene later when he shows up in Holly's bedroom and talks to Skylar, you know, he doesn't just go kill her or Holly. Um, in contrast to someone else he does kill later in the episode, but he, he is now full on scary to me. Last (laughs) week I said, he doesn't scare me. Now he
1: does. And he also has feelings for Lydia. Don't forget. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants.
1: wants. Yep. And that's, that leads into the very next scene where as they're marching across the compound to where Jesse is, um, is, is contained, um, Jack is hell-bent on on ending Jesse and once again to Jesse's rescue comes uh, um, good old uh, Todd and Todd's smooth talking him with like hey wait a minute <laughs> we're talking about 92 percent <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and and we finally get uh, answers to all questions it's like these guys are really good at covering bases it's like why the hell would they care about money and that's what jack brings up it's like in case you hadn't noticed we hit the jackpot <laughs> yeah. we don't have to worry about cash at this point point. and he's like yeah but we're talking millions and why would you let that go and that's when jack figures out there's another motive here and he rings him around the neck and he goes, ah, you're sweet on her, aren't you? <laughs> and you see that this, too, is a family. This, too, is a group of people who care about each other and um, actually have normal, mm, you know, give-take-fun moments together they're like not on full bad guy mode all the time here's your rounded if you wanted the soft softer side of uncle jack here it is on full display jesse is once again given the reprieve uh he's going to continue to cook for these guys and uh i believe this is where he's dis- he realizes he's got a possible out and and finds that the paperclip might be usable um uh, as everybody else in the world seems to be able to pick locks with these things. <laughs> It's a magic paper clip. Yeah, I I don't think if I was given a paper clip I'd be able to pick shit, but <laughs> these guys are uh you know, he's he's got plenty of time on his hands and he's got a sharp object so he starts working on his his bonds down in the hole uh we transition at this point to um back to Walt. Yes. And um Walt has plans. <laughs> <laughs> and Walt tells us exactly what it is he plans to do. He's he's not done yet. We find out what he wants to do. He wants to get kill Jack <laughs> and his crew get his money back for his family and um he needs hitters in order to do this, so um, he he's planning on continuing to use Saul as his uh, as his confidence man and and informant and and uh, tells the the guy who's going to uh, transport him. There's been a change of plan. He's coming with me, and um, Saul actually gets real for the first time. He's stands up to Walt and tells him what his take on this. And here he's, he's actually t- fulfilling that role of, um, of um, Tom Hagen. <clears throat> he's, he's telling the boss what he needs to know, not what he wants to know. Oh, okay. um, he's, he tells him that like, you know, the situation people might see you as, Leaving her high and dry, your wife, and this isn't going to go well for her um, as you've done it. So the best bet would be for you to just give yourself up. And hey, if you come with the cash, that might go a long way towards, um, you know, leaving them the house because they're going. If they can't get you, they're going after her, <laughs> and they're going to go after her for everything they can. I think we left that at a a a break. Basically, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Talking about Saul Saul and Walt. Um, in in this, I I noticed that um, you know, Saul Saul finally he's not wearing the the ribbon anymore. (laughs) You know, he's been since ever since season two, he's been wearing the Wayfarer five fifteen ribbon.
3: Oh yeah, this is also well. It's also it's the first time we've ever seen Saul not wearing flashy clothes at all. He's right. just wearing a sedate white button shirt and, and plain slacks. And, and
2: purple luggage. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> blue.
3: Am I, am I, yeah, Was it you. blue?
2: Yeah.
3: I, it's, everyone's. I saw someone say purple online, and I've watched it three times, and it's blue, blue, blue. So I don't know where people are getting purple from. Well, uh, uh, they
1: love Marie. Yeah,
3: yeah I guess they Marie's want
1: it
2: to be purple. <laughs> Maybe
0: it's
1: That's
2: people's... And some of our color settings on our Maybe. TVs or computers. I watched it on TV live and then on my computer today. And uh, I swore it was purple. At least today it looked purple. Hmm.
3: That's weird. Well, when I was talking about Saul's clothing last night, it was pointed out, well, he is going to Nebraska. So it's one place where you wouldn't be dressing flashy. So it almost makes sense that he would be Dressed as in plain clothes as possible,
0: like he said, his dockers,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the funniest things he says is that he'd be the the his his best bet is he he'll end up a manager of a Cinnabon.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh my god.
1: It's like <laughs> this is a sad ending for Saul's career, and I can't imagine he's going to actually end up in a non-flashy role he's it's, it's part of his nature he's just a showman yeah but um i really felt that these two pulled off a beautiful scene together in in this scene uh where we we see exactly what walt's plans are and yeah. it, it, they are impractical they make no sense and especially when the coughing fit cuts him short and that's when saul gives him the it's over line, and basically skedaddles out of there.
3: What I I loved about that moment was it's a warped mirror reflection of their interaction in the first episode of the season when Walt first threatens him with the it's not over till I say it's over. Mm -hmm. And obviously Saul is frightened for his life back then. And this time around, he starts and then he gets interrupted with his coughing fit. And Saul's looking at him, and it's kind of, he's not looking at him in fear. He's looking at him more out of pity than anything else. And Saul gets that great line. It's over, and he leaves. So if this is the last we see of Saul for this series, I thought that was a, I personally thought that was a nice way for him to go out. He stood up for himself. Um, he showed backbone. He said what had to be said. And he didn't back down from, uh, from Walt
1: this time. He did the job that he claimed that he was going to do. He's their right. consigliere. Or at least his. <laughs> <laughs> so that pretty much ends the uh, the first act. And Kelly?
2: Okay, so we continue with um, Skylar in a trance, essentially, being questioned or it looked more like being talked at. By, I guess the feds, you know, we keep saying the feds, I don't know exactly who they are. I don't know. Um, and she's totally zoned out. And the guy is an ass and said, you know, is she hearing any of this? Or is she even listening something? Ask that of her attorney who looks, I'm sorry, like a total putz. And we end up finding out much later in the the episode that it's a public defender, of course, I mean, she has mm-hmm. no money. So it makes sense she wouldn't be able to afford a Um, better attorney. And this guy did look like this was his first time doing anything like this. Um, and Skylar made it clear that she understood what they were saying to her, that they, they wanted her to, to give them Walt and she doesn't know where he is. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it and thinking or wondering, you know, did she, was she aware of this disappearer guy? You know, that that was a possibility and I don't remember, you know, certainly when Walt tried to get them out of the house, um, he, I, he didn't say anything about that. You know, I've got a guy who's going to make us disappear. So she wouldn't even know to to say that. Um, and, of course, there was some chatter online about, or, or no, maybe it was, I forget. Oh, my God, I forget if it was online or <laughs> if uh, I actually did watch Talking Bad just this afternoon, so I don't remember where I heard or read it, but <laughs> there was some speculation that she might have a tiny bit of loyalty to him, to Walt, because of his phone call in the last episode, where...
0: Okay, now she just cut out completely. While we've got you, Kelly, go.
2: <laughs> okay, so... Uh, I thought that a, a theme of this episode was everybody looking really bad, understandably so, but, you know, poor Skylar was a total mess. I was even wondering why bother, like, getting dressed up to go meet with the feds. Um, it, I mean, just, you could tell that this was really wearing on everyone. Again, understandably and predictably.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, we then see Skylar in, back at her house smoking, again, understandably. Any Skylar haters out there, at least she's not pregnant this time. <laughs> um, but I thought it was understandable back then when she smoked when she was still pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And she's looking at the cops sitting outside of her house. But um, then she hears Holly in, in the room. Mm. And she goes in there to check on Holly and discovers three masked men uh, one of whom is Todd, and I was just amazed by how polite Todd was, and how comforting his voice might have been if it weren't for the black masks and the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the threats that
1: were.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Because you know they respect Walt, so right. they're, they're being nice and polite
3: to, uh,
1: to was, Skyler. Was, yeah. Well, he's nice and polite
3: to everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was really comforting in that scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The hand on the shoulder did it. Oh
2: my God. That was amazing. I loved that hand on the shoulder at the end. And then also his comment, we got a lot of respect for your husband. And, um, so, you know, we discovered that he's there to, to make sure that Skylar doesn't spill the beans about Lydia. And, the look on Skylar's face, I was actually thinking that she probably had forgotten about that yeah. and had probably <laughs> forgotten to mention, you know, there was, yeah, there was this woman who had something to do with the deals. Um, so Todd actually planted the idea in Skylar's mind, but also scared the, the shit out of her because, uh, Skylar was, you know, worried about them hurting Holly. Yeah. And, um, well, the,
1: uh- the feds did tell her to go home and rack her brains and come up with something. So it's quite possibly she could have come up with that. And yeah. this is just a polite reminder that that's something to leave
0: behind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so it's, it wasn't in her mind, they just pointed it out for her and she, for her to remember. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But like, they also pointed it out with a big threat to her baby with the cops yeah. out front. So it's like, Oh, yeah. by the way, that protection you got, it does serve two purposes, mm-hmm. it's like your protection is shit, we yeah. <laughs> can come in here at any time so, we want yeah. yep and
2: and
3: do anything we want, yeah so was, and uh hmm? so there's also two kind of interesting things with Todd in that scene, I thought um if I can bring back the comment about the code earlier today to uh, today <laughs> in the podcast yeah. um, <laughs> if you'll notice that he says to her when he says the thing about not saying anything about Lydia, whatever, he tells her, I want, he wants her to repeat it back to him. He wants to hear her, he needs to hear her say it, mm-hmm. which is the same thing that Uncle Jack did with Walt in Ozymandias, when he said, I need, I need to hear you say we're, we're square, I need you to say it. So yeah. it's obviously, it's kind of a little code that they have there, like, mm-hmm. I need to hear you say it, so I know that that, that, that it's a bond, that you're going to do what you say. And the other thing, as you pointed out, Todd knows nothing about personal space once again. (laughs) So much the way he kind of got way too close to Lydia. And now he takes it to a creepier extreme because there's a threat behind it. When he puts his hand on Skylar's shoulder, that just made me just, I just Mm -hmm. got, I got goosebumps all over when I saw that moment.
2: Well, I think he does know about personal space, and I think that he did that, it, all of these, on purpose, especially that one, because when he put his hand on Skylar's shoulder, he said, because you really don't want us coming back here. Mm-hmm. And he said, s- still said it in his, you know, sweet, comforting voice, um, which is, of course, <laughs> oxymoronic me, yeah. in this case.
3: I didn't mean to imply it wasn't deliberate. It obviously was deliberate. The, the thing that he's naive about, come up uh, in the next minute or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, this this definitely is the the Todd episode because um, we then go to his meeting with Lydia in the cafe, um, and she insisted on sitting at separate tables, just like <laughs> she did with um, Mike. And
1: uh, Todd, and Mike did, had none know, of it.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> It's Just, great to oh see God, how different
1: people react to these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. That was a great
3: callback. I love that moment. <laughs> yeah. and
2: um, But yeah, Todd is so smitten and still, you know, green with all of this. So he's willing to take her lead and she's been doing it longer. And so we find out Lydia's pissed off that Todd didn't kill Skylar to make sure she didn't talk. She didn't want a message delivered. She wanted it taken care of. She just wanted Skylar removed.
1: Again, hearkening back to talks with Mike. Yeah, Yeah. the very first thing that she requested. She's just a little bloodthirsty beast, isn't she? She is.
2: (laughs) She doesn't want to see it, but she wants it done. That's right. Yeah, see, but I was going to say, I wouldn't say that she is bloodthirsty, but she definitely just wants people gone.
3: You (laughs) would call her... I, I think of her as a problem solver. <laughs> go. And she, okay, she can only come up with one solution. Kill them.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is the only way to guarantee their silence, you know, unless they have some note that gets released upon their death or something that gives away everything. But who knows? And uh, and sorry, I, d- I do have a note in here about her standard order of chamomile tea with soy milk and the extra stevia. And chamomile tea, of course, is good for calming down. So um, as much chamomile tea as she drinks, I would hate to see her not calm, you know, <laughs> without yeah.
1: the chamomile. And the extra and the, the the extra touch of that stevia. Oh my God. Trombone. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> that was crazy. I mean that's that is done a- on the wall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is a nasty combination. I'm sorry. Chamomile with soy milk and stevia. And I'm vegan, so I actually like well, I prefer almond milk, but um
1: not in oh, my chamomile. Not, that's not the, the combo I was referring to. I, I was I meant that stevia you can replace stevia with ricin.
2: Oh, <laughs> Okay.
1: I think they're really oh. tele- broadcasting that. <laughs> that was my immediate thought when, you know, they keep making a point of how she orders things. Yeah. And and we remember Walt met her and <laughs> clearly he intended to use the stevia yeah. or, you know, use the ricin. That's
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I did not think of that. All right. Awesome. Well, so the um, next point of this meeting was, uh, well, that was the whole point. That was the point. But then Todd tells Lydia um, that he's got the, was it 50 pounds, vacuum-packed and ready mm-hmm. to go. And she's you know, is very dismissive. Well, good luck with that. He says, But it's 92%. So quick comment here, because I had written in my notes after seeing it the first time. He later tells Jesse that the batch was ninety six percent. So that was a different batch, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Jesse yeah,
2: had time just, to cook again. Yeah, a different day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, already went up in quality. Wow.
1: So this anyway,
2: is good. yeah. Even yeah. under pressure. <laughs> I guess so. So anyway, so well, he was under the
1: greatest pressure when he was down with the. Uh, the mob bosses in uh, oh
2: yeah in
0: Mexico yeah
1: in Mexico yeah that was that was the the greatest pressure of all yeah. so yeah. he's he's been he's been pressure tested yeah yeah
2: definitely um okay so ninety two percent and it's blue so she is now listening she's totally impressed and um you know really fixated on the ninety two percent and uh, you can see her brain working you know on on. What she's going to do with this, and and Todd is now turning around and leaning over his chair and whispering to her, and it's clear he's talking to her. You know, if anyone else in the cafe saw this, and he is, again, she's still looking away, thinking about the ninety-two percent. And I thought this line was really awkward and funny. I just think we work together, good. Is <laughs> so what he said, and that pause after the together and good. And uh, just kept focusing on their, oh, that mutually good, he said something about, he said after that, I think. Yes. Anyway, so Lydia's still fixated on the 92%, oblivious to Todd. And I loved this uh, shot. As the camera pulls away, we see Todd pulling lint or a hair or something off of the back of Lydia's jacket, who of course is still oblivious to it all. Just really nice touch, showing that, He does care about her in his own psychotic (laughs) way. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So now we cut to Walt arriving in New Hampshire via an empty propane tank. And um, he arrives and the disappearer calls him Mr. Lambert. And uh, isn't that, um, didn't we talk about before, that's Skylar's maiden name? name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and he's being deposited in a tiny dingy cabin. It's it's winter. There's already snow. Um, he's got a wood stove, a generator, no TV reception, two DVDs, both of them copies of Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. Um, and we find out that the that the Disappearer will be back in a month. He's, he's leaving Walt with enough food for about a month. And... Um, Walt is marveling at, you know, paying you $50,000 for a trip to Costco. And the disappearer tells them that, no, what you're paying for is, is risk. That the disappearer is taking a big risk in coming back every month to see him and to deliver things to him. He'll bring him news. Um, he says, you know, normally I don't do this. Normally we'd be done now, but you're you, um, He's telling Walt he can't have any contact with the whole world, no phone, no car, no internet, and he cannot go into town. Um, He he tells Walt, you know, my business is keeping you out of custody. And if you go into town, you will get caught. He really stressed Mm -hmm. that word, will. And he also warns them that if, if you, he used that phrase, if you leave the reservation and I find out about it, I won't be coming back. And that's to keep myself safe. And Walt is really dismissive of the Disappear during all of this. It looks like Walt is sort of antsy for him to hurry up and go. He, yeah. the, the Disappear was offering, you know, do you need help with the stove? It has a tricky flu. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah, Good. So, you know, see you next month. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and on his way out, the Disappear suggests that Walt enjoy the beauty of the place. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. look around. It's beautiful. Enjoy that you're alive and being here. And of course that was the last thing on Walt's mind, because as he said earlier, he's not finished yet.
0: Now, what I thought was interesting when I, when I saw the cabin, I'm like, Unabomber. Oh (laughs) God. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the first (laughs) thing.
1: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Um, going back to the very first thing in this, in this section, the, the talk, um, with Skyler and the Feds. Um, I, I'd like to make a call out to an, an article written by Joanna Robinson. 10 Things We Learned from Breaking Bad. Granite State. Um, it's on slashfilm.com. She put together a little. Um, uh, six, uh, six shots. Um, the first is from episode one of Walt learning about his cancer. And you know, like he's talking to the um he's talking to the doctor and there's a droning sound. He's not really hearing the doctor, mm-hmm. but like he's just standing there kind of catatonic. It's the exact same shot of Skylar. <laughs> and the doctor says, Mr. White, wait, what I've said to you. And um the Fed says, Mrs. White, are you following all of this? Do you understand what's happening here? And mm-hmm. then Walt replies yes, lung cancer, inoperable. And Mrs. White says, yes, I understand. I understand I'm in terrible trouble. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect match. Yeah. 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 Right, perfect. right. That just struck me as being a, a really nice bit of investigative work she did. And actually, yeah. I know, something I
0: forgot to, to mention last yeah. week with, with them, the, the Ones Who Knocked, they did a, an episode commentary with Ryan Johnson. Ooh. Yeah, so you can download that. <laughs>
2: That'd be
3: awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, well, the, the thing that struck me about that scene, and I was talking about it last night, was and much like the Walt moment at the beginning of the series, the the sound that they use that very that whistling, humming, buzzing, however you want to, that droning sound, it, it always reminds me of the kind of sound that they would use when a bomb has gone off, kind of like how when bomb went off in front of hank back in season two yeah. and mm-hmm. i did i did go for the metaphor when i was talking about it, it like and cos skylar's life has just bl- literally blown up i mean so it's almost <laughs> perfect that
1: this is right. what's happened the saving private ryan sound uh, yes exactly the private saving private ryan sound perfect exactly <laughs> so that was it i just wanted to bring that up it's, a, it's actually full of nice little things she, she caught and brought to attention. We'll put it in the show notes. All right, well, I, I guess I'll pick up where Kelly left off.
3: Um, and prob- I'm assuming minutes or hours later, we see Walt in that cabin, but now he's wearing a parka, and he's stuffing the pockets of his parka with money from his barrel of millions. Then you see him reach into his duffel bag And what he takes out, it's the infamous Heisenberg hat. And at that moment, we hear the Heisenberg theme play. And we we, we, it's shot from behind. He puts the hat on his head. It's kind of like a shot of seeing Batman putting the cowl on for the first time or something. It's just it's got that comic book like momentous nature to it. Then we see him marching outside, and he reaches the gate to the uh, the two-acre property. But at the point where he reaches the gate when he gets to that gate post, he kind of seems a little weak again, and then you see he's just looking out at the snowy road that's ahead of him, and then he just mutters tomorrow. He mutters it twice actually, and then he just turns back and trudges back towards the cabin. Meanwhile, back at Little Todd's House of Horrors, (laughs) uh, Jesse has managed to pick all the locks with that handy-dandy paperclip, and I'm, I've am i been kind of assuming Jesse just swiped the photo with the paperclip because I can't imagine they would have been stupid enough to give him the photo with the paperclip. Yeah, sure but, you know, then again, these, Nazi, these neo-Nazis do seem to live on the edge of risk. So who knows? <laughs> anyway, next thing you know, we see that he's balancing on a shaky stack of his folded-over mattress and his piss bucket. And he's trying to reach the grading up ahead. And then he can hear that Todd is coming. So next thing you know, we, we see Todd get to the grating, and Jesse's back all cuffed up, you know, laying on his mattress. And Todd has a reward for him. He's got a dish of ice cream. Uh, it's two see, flavors. It's not
0: all bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what,
3: what, what's Jesse crying about? Ooh hoo <laughs> Ice cream. I on. ice cream. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's peanut, and Plus, it's peanut butter cup and Americone Dream. And by the way, I have to believe by saying Americone Dream, that's a shout-out to Stephen Colbert, because that's Stephen mm. Colbert's flavor. And we know that Stephen Colbert has had some fun with the Breaking Bad people already. Yes. So I, I, I laughed when that happened, for sure.
1: What uh, fun has Stephen Colbert had with the Breaking Bad people? I'm in the dark here.
3: Well, other than the fact that Cranston and Gilligan, among others, have appeared on a show, uh, what you need to go online and watch immediately after this podcast is se- several week, several weeks ago, yes, um, Stephen Colbert put together a compilation video set to uh, Daft Punk's Get Lucky," which features many, many guest stars, including Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon and so on. But one of the major highlights of the video is Charlie Rose, again, who we'll hear about later in this episode, Charlie Rose. Interviewing the cast and Gilligan of Breaking Bad, and Stephen Colbert comes on while the music's playing, pointing seductively to Brian Cranston, who looks all me? Really? And they go off together while Aaron Paul's sitting there with a look of total shock on his face, but funny shock. And the next thing you know, they're on a disco floor. Brian Cranston's in a very tight, weird plaid suit. Uh, Stephen Colbert is wearing like a white beater, and he's got like beer. With the beer hat on and everything, and they're just dancing on roller skating at each other to the to the song. So yeah, he's got a little bit of a connection to the Breaking Bad, and plus he also they also did the Breaking Abbey bit on the Stephen Colbert show, where he had the cast of Downton Abbey doing a a parody of Breaking Bad. So he's he's got his Breaking Bad
1: connection. Cool, cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't watch the show. So, you know, <laughs> I have I,
2: to start. <laughs> I don't either, Chris. But um, I saw this video, and oh my god, it is awesome! I was like playing it nonstop for a while, and I don't normally do videos online at all, as you know. This rocks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's the reason why every time I hear that song, I, I think roller skates. Yes. I think disco roller skates.
3: It, it just makes me smile now when I hear the song and and I will say if you ever choose to watch it you should because I think Stephen Colbert may be the smartest and funniest guy on TV right now. Okay, I'm responsible for that tangents. I take full responsibility, but Stephen Colbert, so right I don't. <laughs> um, back to the scene. Actually, another just throwing another joke here when he lowered the uh, when he lowered the ice cream down to Jesse. I did momentarily think of the Silence of the land, thinking he was lowering him like a basket oh, with lotion. <laughs> yeah. like you are dealing with some sociopaths there, so it did it, make me it, think of that. It, it rubs the, the, ice cream, right? it puts the ice cream on its skin. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it rubs the ice cream on its bruises. Oh, <laughs> the ice cream on the bruises? Anyway. Um, but Todd's giving him a reward because the latest meth batch, as Kelly mentioned was actually 96% pure. And he tells him, better get ready, it's going to be a big day tomorrow. But before he steps away, Jesse, and kind of a like a sad little child, asks him if he wouldn't mind leaving the tarp off the grating. You know, Todd wonders, why is it so he can see the stars? And I'm assuming Todd may be a sociopath, but he also can appreciate astronomy. So he agrees. <laughs> 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 so... <Okay. laughs> So, so after Todd leaves, Jesse does the Houdini thing all over again. Click, 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 click. It's out of all the cuffs. And he rebuilds his you know, his little poor man's stepladder. And he, this time he leaps and he reaches the grating. And he strains and he slides open the bolt. And the next thing you know, Jesse's free. He's free. He's running. He's He's free. Jesse's so smart. He's amazing. And then about ten seconds later, without really giving much thought to what he's doing apparently... He just takes off for the barbed wire fence, running right past the camera. And if they show us the camera, I assume the camera works. Otherwise, why show us the camera? Um, he's he's probably like a few steps up the fence, and he's caught by uh, Uncle Jack and the gang.
0: Now, with Jesse's um, ladder, that reminded me of the, the ladder in the lab in Fly. Excellent
3: connection, kind of- which I... Didn't even think of. Excellent. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I wish, oh, <laughs> I wish I thought of that last night. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, that, that's excellent. I, oh, wow. Can't, can't believe I didn't think of that. So, anyway, so Jesse's caught. And at this point, you know, he he's refusing to cook again. He doesn't care if they kill him. Kill me. Whatever. I'm not going to cook again. And all I can think at this point is, like, Jesse, you were so smart the way you got out of that cell. Mm. And now you're so stupid because have you forgotten
1: the leverage these guys have over you? Apparently he had. And, yeah. and you know, with the exertion level that he was at, he, I think he was just thinking of the immediate threat. He, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it, but it's our
3: right to comment on things the way we – it's the same way we're commenting on a guy trying to steal third when he should. What are you thinking? You know, don't do mm. that. You know, because it's pretty clear that the one thing these neo-Nazis aren't about, they're not about empty threats. You know, mm-hmm. They've pretty much shown that because the very next thing we see is Todd and he's walking across the street and he's approaching a house. And for some of us, we might actually recognize that house. And all I'm thinking is, oh, God, I know what's going to happen. I can't believe they're going to do it. And Todd goes up to the door. I I still don't remember, even though I've watched it three times, if he rings the bell or knocks, whatever. But Andrea comes to the door. Tell, you know, he, he says a little thing to her about Jesse Pinkman, and he makes it clear that he knows him. In fact, he's across the street in a truck, so she's already opened the chain to the door. She steps out onto the porch, and she can't see Jesse. I think the windows might be tinted or something, but she can't see him. But Jesse can see her. And Jesse is bound and gagged, and he's trying to scream, and he's pleading, whatever. And then we switch back, and we see Todd behind Andrea. And I think he says, just so you know, this isn't personal. And he blows her away.